such a great song, Tove. You know, and it's a great giving song. I won't back down. My God has said it. I believe it. We don't need to be all weak-spined about the promises of God. Oh, whatever you would like, God. No, if he said it, it's true. Hallelujah. I love what Joel Osteen says. He, he has everybody hold up their Bible. and He says, this is my Bible. It is what God says it is. I am what he says I am. I can have what it says I have. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Holy Spirit, we just give you freedom this morning. We want your message this morning. If we need to go another route, Father, we are open to that. Whatever you need said this morning, because you know the hearts. You know my heart. You know their hearts. You get to us what we need this morning. Hallelujah. And we are expecting in Jesus' name. Amen. Or we shouldn't bother coming. Right? If you're expecting nothing to happen, guess what? Your expectation will be met. And so many times we just do the things of God with absolutely zero expectation. No, there should be expectation. God is faithful. God is true. God is always going to do what he said he would do in his word. And so last week we started on a new series called Make Him Known. Woohoo! You know, I was a little bit charged up last week, but I think I'm even more so this week. You know, I've just been spending so much time praying in the Holy Spirit lately that it's just overflowing, bubbling over, and I hope it gets a little contagious for you because no one needs to go through this life dull, dead, and boring. Hallelujah. And so the Word of God says in Psalms 105.1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name and make known His deeds among the people. And I said last week, you can't make known what you've never known because then it would be an unknown. And so this series is all about the knowledge of God. This is all about God's knowledge, God's understanding. And in, we read in our, uh, in our grace series in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied. Everyone say that word, multiplied. Now, in all of the other verses that we ex- explored with grace, it was all about that your eyes would be open to see the grace you stand in, or that grace would be added to you. But this verse says, grace and peace be multiplied. Now, I'm pretty good at math, but, you know, I know there's other people that are better at it than me. Is multiplication greater than addition? Oh, you're a smart bunch. (laughs) Right answer. Multiplication is greater than addition. And it's definitely greater than subtraction. God's not looking to subtract out of your life other than the the things that don't need to be there. He wants to multiply his blessings in your life. And here, he wants to multiply grace and peace. Grace is God's ability or power in your life. It's his undeserved, unmerited favor operating on your behalf. God wants to multiply that in your life. He's wanting to multiply peace. That's the main thing the world is missing these days. So many people are burned out. They're struggling with worry and anxiety and fear. And he's saying, I want to multiply peace to you. How many could use a little more peace? Hallelujah. And the way he does it, it says, it'll be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. The more you know about God, 
the more you know how he thinks and what he thinks about you and what are his plans and purposes for you and his plans and purposes for his children in general, grace and peace begin to multiply. Whew. And we said, there's a saying, you know, what you don't know can't hurt you. And that is nothing but a lie. We don't need to be as Christians like ostriches sticking our heads in the sand, which is a funny story. Ostriches actually don't hide their heads in the sand. That's a misnomer. They lay their eggs in the sand, and then they stick their head in the hole, and they turn the eggs. And somebody just happened to be like, why is that ostrich sticking its head in the sand? And then there, it blew out of proportion there that, oh, we just we don't want to be like those people who stick their heads in there. That's not even true. It's funny how when you begin to look into things, they're like, well, it couldn't be further than the truth. And what you don't know can hurt you. There's things that God said you don't have to put up with. And if you don't know that, you'll put up with them. And that'll hurt you. If you don't know God wants you to be blessed, you'll settle for not being blessed. If you don't know God wants to heal your body, you'll settle for being sick. So the things you don't know can very much hurt you. And the other one we said is people say, oh, ignorance is bliss. No, it isn't. Think about people who are worried about tomorrow. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Doesn't seem very blissful to me. But I know what's going to happen tomorrow for me. I have a confident expectation of the good things to come. That what God has promised, He is able to perform. That the He who begun a good work in me will see it through till the end. That I always triumph in Christ Jesus. I always win. Whatever situation I find myself in, whether it looks good or whether it looks bad, I look to God. Because I lift up my eyes unto the mountains where my help comes from. It comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. Woo! So what you don't know can very much hurt you. And what you don't know about God can very much hinder you in your walk with him. Paul's cry was that I may know him and the power of the resurrection. Paul says that I may know him. Paul was already saved at this point. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about there's more that you can know about God. I love how the New Living says it. It says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Whew, I love that translation. That I may know Christ and experience. You know, what you do with the knowledge you have matters. Things are not revealed to you for you to do nothing with them. That's why James says, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Right? Isn't that what he said? And the reason is because you can know something but never put it to use in your life. Now, you could hear someone say, you know, ice cream is pretty good, right? And so now you have a knowledge that somebody told me ice cream is good, but how many of you know it's better when you experience it, Amen. right? Amen. Now, after you've pounded back a pint of peanut butter and chocolate ice cream, if someone now comes to you and says, ice cream is not good at all, what are you going to say? I know it's good. I just finished pounding back a pint of it. The things that you know and you experience, people can't take from you. 
When people say that the Holy Spirit is not for us today, that we can't flow in the gifts of the Spirit, you know what? Those don't move me. Because I've already experienced them. You can't take that away from me. I knew about them, and I've experienced them, and so you can fight till you're blue in the face. I know the Holy Spirit is for today. People who say God doesn't want to heal you, I go, that's not true. I've been healed in my body. I blew out my knee really bad when I was in university. I was living in the States, didn't have medical coverage, and I walked like this for about two weeks. And we were walking to class one day, and one of my good friends leaned over to me and said, you know, you're walking like a crazy person. <laughs> and that stuck in my head for the whole day. I would just kept thinking over and over, you're walking like a crazy person. And I was like, yeah, but I hurt. I've blown my knee out. It just like, pfft. there was no, no strength or structure there anymore. And I was sitting in prayer and healing school that day, and the, the word of God was being revealed, and you know, people were going crazy, shouting and running, and I was like, God, your word is true. You said you have healed my body on the back of Jesus. So you know what I did? I got up and I took a run, right there in the middle of the service, and it started like this. <laughs> but by the time I got a lap around, I was running with no pain, no discomfort, and all strength was back in my knee. You can't tell me God doesn't want to heal bodies today. I've seen people come out of wheelchair. I've seen cancer leave bodies. I've seen growths fall off. I've laid hands on people and seen them recover. I've seen hepatitis disappear off people's medical charts. I've seen eyes open. I've seen ears open, and I've been healed in my body. You can't tell me God doesn't want to heal today. Maybe because you haven't experienced it. Hey, go ahead. Draw on God and experience some today. The Amplified says of this same verse in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For my determined purpose is that I may know Him and that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His purpose, person more strongly and more clearly. What does progressively mean? It means a little more every day. You know what this verse speaks to me of? Relationship. Now, whenever you first meet someone, you have that first acquaintance, right? And then someone could ask you, oh, do you know so-and-so? And he says, oh, yeah, I know them. Meaning you've had a basis or a start to a relationship. But when you talk about your spouse... And someone says, do you know them? You're like, yeah, I know them. I know their quirks. I know what they're going to say before they're going to they're, they're gonna say it. I know their ins and outs, and I know all those things. Why? Because relationship has developed, and we've gotten to know each other beyond just, hi, how are you? And that is what God is calling to us as his children, get to know me more and more, and more, and more. And when you get to know the character and the attributes of God, man, it's just like your relationship is renewed every day. You see more. You see more and more every day. You know, but the, the thing is with the Amplified Version, we call it, we joke about it, and we say that it's the women's Bible. And that's because, what's that? You don't joke about that. And the reason why they say that is because, one, it was translated by a woman, and two, it's very detailed, and they put all the definitions into it. And so rather than having to go pull out your concordance and go up, all the definitions are right there, and so I love it for that sense. 
But you notice how short it is there? And then how long it is there? There can be a depth to the Word of God that when we're just reading it on the surface, that we're missing the depth. The meaning is still there, but when you pursue deeper, more is revealed. And the wonderful thing about God is we will be with Him for eternity, that's life without end, and still get to know Him more and more every day. It says that the angels fly over His throne over and over, and every time they do, they see something new, and they go, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, because they see something new about him, and they've been doing it since their existence began, and they will continue doing it until if they end, or for all eternity. And so if they can see something new about God, so can you. When you push deeper, God will reveal and so that's only half the verse. The other half says this, and that I may in that same way, what same way? Progressively more and more, getting deeper and deeper, then that same way I may come to know the power, everyone say this word with me, outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. So it's telling us here that the power of the resurrection didn't stay at resurrection. It raised Jesus from the dead, and it now flows out from there. So there is more of God you can know, and there's more of his power that you can experience, because it's never stopped flowing out, and it exerts power over believers. Whew. And so Paul goes on in the next verse, and he says that if possible, I may obtain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. So many Christians are waiting to experience heaven when they get there. But Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, God. Jesus wasn't saying, let's leave heaven in heaven. He said, no, let's let heaven invade earth. And so Paul says, the more that I know of God and the more that I experience his goodness and his power outflowing from the resurrection, it lifts me out from among the dead, even while still in this body. Meaning we begin to live as God lives. We begin to experience things as he experiences, even while we're right here in this old sack of flesh. And he goes on in the next verse, he says, not that I have already attained, or I am already perfected. And we can all say that. No one will ever reach the fullness of this, but it's a pursuit that we get on the journey of. He says, but I press on. You know, most people look down and they go, well, I'm not where I want to be, so I might as well stop going. That's kind of like getting one flat and then slashing the other three tires. <laughs> Change the tire and move on. So Paul says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. The message says it really good. He says, I'm not saying that I have it all together, that I've made it, but I am well on my way. Reaching out for Christ who has so wonderfully reached out for me. That speaks to me of the same thing that happened at salvation. He says that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. But from our perspective in salvation, it looks like we did choose him. We came to a point where we're like, okay, God, I receive you. But when you realize that, did your eyes open up to this fact that when you opened up your heart, he had already opened up his heart to you. 
And so as we reach for God, we realize that he's not swatting the hand away. He's already reaching out to grab hold. It's kind of like the, the, the prodigal son. He started his journey, and he gets to the end of the laneway, and the father's already running. Whew. That tells me that God is more interested in this happening than us. Then he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, <coughs> I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Something pivotal that happens in this journey as we pursue God and getting to know him more is that we have to let go of the past. Because if your past blessings were enough, you wouldn't need more of God. But every day you can walk in a new blessing with God. And so sometimes we need to let go of what we've known so that we can see things as it really is. It says that we know in part and we see in part. You're never going to see, or as another way Paul said it is, I look through a glass darkly. Meaning I see parts of it, but I'm not seeing the full picture. But you know, the more you're with God, the more you see of the picture. And then he says this, So I press on to reach the end of the race and receive that heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Now we usually quote this verse out of context. We usually use it as a pump up verse. Oh, come on, press on and reach the end of the race because you know God's got a good prize for you. But really what he's saying, he's press on towards knowledge of God and experiencing his power. Yes, God wants you to press on and run a good race because he's got a good prize for you. But this has to do with knowledge and understanding of his power as well. Verse 15 says, Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. I love this. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. I think that's a little bit of sass from Paul. He's like, if you don't agree with this, get it. that's okay. God will straighten you out and let you know that I, what I'm saying is true. Whew. Oh, come on. Don't hate me because I'm preaching good. That's what Paul said. He says, if you don't agree with me on this, that's okay. God will show you that it's right. <laughs> and so he ends in verse 17. He says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. So what was he telling to the church at Philippi? He says, dear brothers and sisters, as I'm crying out, God, that I may know you more and experience more of your power, have that same desire in yourself. Every day, wake up and say, God, I want to know you more. Show me more. Reveal yourself more and more each day to me. And you know what? The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. As soon as you make that step in that direction, God's already waiting there for you. So we're talking about the knowledge of God and it being multiplying grace and peace in our lives. And when we said last week that when we talk about the knowledge of God, there's three different ways that we can take it. So number one, there's knowing about God or simply that there is a God. There's two, knowing his character and his attributes. Or three, knowing what he knows. And as I was flying home from Louisiana a week ago, I was meditating on these thoughts while I was in the plane, and the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, you know what? Some people don't believe that this is possible. 
that this is available to them. And for me, that's a foreign concept because this is just how I've been raised. But we have to understand the Holy Spirit knows our hearts better. And in Christianity, we have to understand that not everybody is even open to experiencing these things because they don't believe it's available to them. So let's deal with these points all one at a time. <laughs> Knowing about God or simply there is a God would be a good place to start. We have atheists in this world that don't believe there is a God. They believe that in the beginning there was nothing and then nothing exploded and now we have everything. <laughs> they don't believe in a God. It's not much help for that until God opens their eyes to see. But then we also have agnostics. And what it means to be an agnostic is simply that you believe that there's a higher power or you believe that there's a God, but that we have no ability to ever know who it is or anything about them. So basically, they believe something set it in motion, but we'll never find out who or what. What a, what a horrible way to live our existence. But then there's simply the fact that, yes, there is a God. He has a son. His name is Jesus. And he sent his Holy Spirit here to be with us. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, Therefore, this is Paul teaching Timothy, his apprentice, and he says, Therefore, I exhort that first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So he's talking about, I want you to pray, Timothy, for everyone. And then he says, for kings and all those who are in authority, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And all my only comment on is that, whether you like the guy in office or don't, you should still be praying for him. So that you can live a peaceable life. Then he says this, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So I color-coded God as green in here so that you can see in the next verse, who? So who is the who we're talking about? God desires all men to be saved and to come to what? The knowledge of the truth. And then he goes and he adds for good measure, for there is one God. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So here he's saying, I want everyone to know I'm here. I want everyone to come to my saving knowledge and the knowledge of the truth. This is Paul by the Spirit teaching Timothy. This is what God wants. I want men to know that I exist. I want men to know. So to, if we want to approach that, does God want us to know about him? The answer is a big yes. Because there needs to be an acquaintance before a salvation. I like what Paul said. He says, how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless one is sent? And so the, 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 the necessity of salvation comes to fruition because somebody told somebody about God. And so if God wants all to be saved, then he wants them to know his knowledge. What about number two? Knowing his character and his attributes. Really, this is what it, this, you could say this as knowing his personality. And you know God has personality. Just look in the mirror. God has personality. He's made all these distinct types of people, and some are more boisterous than others, and others are more reserved, and some love to laugh, and some are too afraid to do it in public. You know, he has all these different aspects of personalities, and he says that he's made us in his image. God's got personality. The, 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 it says in the Old Testament that he who sits on the throne laughs. God's not a stuck-up bugger. <laughs> Seriously, some people think that about God, that he's ready to slap you with the fly swatter as soon as you reach out to him. God is a good God. Yes. 
He is a loving God. He's got personality. Does he want you to know that personality? Well, here Jesus is in the garden. He's uh, teaching his disciples the last message he'll ever teach them. And he begins to pray the last prayers that he'll ever pray with them. And in John 17, verse 1, it says, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he may give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And the next verse he says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus, whom you have sent. So Jesus' prayer was, really, this is eternal life, knowing God. Now, this word for know, know, know you is not simply Hello, how are you? It's the word yonosko, and it means to learn to know, to come to know, to get a knowledge of, to perceive, to feel. And this is actually a word that the Jews use as an idiom for sex. And it has to do with relationship. So whenever you hear the, the, when Jesus says that we may know him, or you know him, referring to the Holy Spirit, he's talking about having close relationship having intimate knowledge of God. He's not just talking about acquaintance of God here. He's talking about having a good relationship as you would with a great friend, where it grows and grows and you know more and you know more as things goes on. And that's exactly what he was talking about in John 14. He says, I'll pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That word another means just the same, just like me. So when Jesus was telling his disciples about the Holy Spirit to come, he's saying, he's going to be like me, guys. Now, did Jesus have personality? Yes. Did Jesus get to know disciples and other people? Yes. yes. He said the Holy Spirit is just like him. So if two out of three of the Godhead want you to get to know them, what does that say about the third? It says the fullness of God is revealed in Jesus. So that means God must be of the same mind. And so another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But everyone say this with me. But you know him. The disciples have not met the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, but you know him. And it's the same with you. You recognize God. You understand how God works. And when we open up our eyes to look at it, we'll be like, oh, how did I miss that? And it says, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So God wants you to know his personality. But what about knowing what he knows? And this is where we could insert one of my favorite verses. Oh, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. Yeah, but that's not a, that we can't know them. That's about look his direction and take on his thoughts. And so in 1 Corinthians 2, in verse 6, it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, and yet not the wisdom of this age. So he's not talking about the wisdom from this earth. So if it's not talking about the wisdom from the earth, he must be talking about the wisdom of God from heaven, right? There's only two options, right? Not the wisdom of this age or on this earth. It says, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now let's just stop for a second. The hidden wisdom 
So God is hiding his wisdom from us? No, God is not hiding his wisdom from you. He's hiding his wisdom for you. That when you seek, you find. And verse 8 says, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love them. You just can't see it. Your eyes can't see it. Your ears can't perceive it. And I've heard a whole bunch of religious sermons about this. That you just can't know what God knows. You just can't see all that he's prepared for us. And my heart always screams when I hear it. Read the next verse! <laughs> but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. It's talking about the knowledge of God. Who reveals that to you? The Holy Spirit. Who? And he reveals them to us. Hallelujah. For what knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Does God want you to know what he knows? The answer is yes. In verse 13, it says, These things we also speak, not in words of man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. So how do you become to understand what God knows and what he wants for your life and for Christianity and for the saints and your brothers and sisters? How do you do it? It's not with this old noodle between your head. It's with the Spirit of God that we receive when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He reveals it to us. He brings it up. He shows it to us. And verse 16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct Him? But we have. What does have? It's present tense reality. We have the mind of Christ. That word for mind is the word noose, which means you have the faculties to be able to think and understand. He's given you the ability to understand. Hallelujah. So last week we were exploring through Paul's prayer to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 because that not only is just a, a prayer for the Ephesians, but Paul said it's also for those who believe. And so in verse 17, Paul begins to pray right in the middle of his message, and he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. He wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him so that your eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. And we told you last week that that literally means to Turn the lights on and let your imagination begin to flow. Yeah. Ooh. And the reason why he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to the knowledge of him, he turns on the lights and then he tells us three things that he's wanting to do because of that. That you may know what is the hope of your calling. 
that you can have a confident expectation of the things he has called you to, the lifestyle that he has called you to. The, the, he's also given you a calling and a work and a job to do in his body on this earth. But that's only part of the hope that is revealed when the lights turn on. It also says, too, what are the, he wants you to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God has left you an inheritance. And he says, when the lights come on, you begin to realize, wait, Daddy God has left me something. Number three thing he wanted you to see is, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? What was the thing that Paul wanted? He says, that I may know him and that I may experience the power outflowing from the resurrection. And that's the very thing you begin to experience and see when the light come on, when the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him is imparted to you. I love in the Amplified, it says, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, the unlimited, and the surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. Not only is his power for in you, it's also for you. Hallelujah. But Pastor Jordan, that's just for the church at Ephesus. Really? Colossians chapter 1. He begins to pray for them in his book too. And he says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, don't cease to pray for you. And we ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So he's wanting you to know what his will is. He's wanting to impart wisdom and understanding that exactly just like in ephesians when that happens then this happens that you may walk worthy of the lord fully pleasing when you begin to see things as god sees them it changes the way you walk we don't have to be ashamed we don't have to feel unworthy when you get the knowledge of god man it'll put a spine in you you'll begin to stand and walk with your head up that this is my day. This is a good day. This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. This is a day where he daily loads me with benefits, as Psalm 103 says. We forget not all his benefits. Who? That he heals all our diseases and he forgives all of our iniquities. Psalm 103. Go ahead and read it again. Such a good book. But it changes the way you walk when you begin to see, oh, I was never intended to live like this. God has called me to live this way. Second thing that he said to the Colossians will happen, that you'll begin to being fruitful in every good work. Amen. I'd be just content with being fruitful in some of the works. But he says here that there's a possibility that you can be fruitful in every good work. You know, I remember Brother Hagen talking about a friend of his. He said that he never lost money on any investment that he ever made. Never. And Brother Hagen was like, I can't even say that. You know, people consider Brother Hagen to be a great prophet. And he's like, I've lost. He said, this guy, what he would do is every time an investment was brought to him, he'd always have a, the initial thought of, oh, yeah, that's good, or oh, yeah, I don't want to invest that. But regardless of how he felt, he would always go, and he'd shut his bedroom door, and he'd fast and pray for three days, and then the Holy Spirit would say, do it or don't do it. And sometimes he'd go in thinking this is a bad investment, and the Holy Spirit would go, do it. Sometimes he'd go in thinking this is good, and the Holy Spirit would say, don't do it. Why? Because he already knows what's going to happen, right? 
And so we can be fruitful in every good work if we learn to follow after his knowledge and his instruction and get around out of our head here. Third thing he said, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. I thought he was imparting the knowledge of God. But yeah, you know, the more you know, the more you begin to know. The more that's revealed to you. It's like when you open a book. It's like you find out some things on the first page and you're like, oh, this is going to be a good book. And then by the end of the book, you're like, oh my goodness, there's just so much more to this than I thought. We call it... <laughs> oh, the Holy Spirit just said something to me. <laughs> but it was for me, not for you. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> now I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh. We call it compound revelation. <laughs> what you know today increases, increases as God reveals more and more and more to you. I like what Brother Hagin used to say is I've forgotten more things about the Bible than most people have ever known. I can't say that. <laughs> so that means there's more to know. But he, Paul to the Ephesians only told three things that would happen. To the Colossians, he said more. He says that you'll be Verse number four and verse 11, he says, being strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Whew. When the knowledge of God is released to you, it actually begins to strengthen you. You know, we should begin to age a little more gracefully. You know, Bill, I always look at you and I'm like, you're such a picture of God's goodness in your life. Man, you are just doing so good, and I just believe God's going to continue to strengthen you and increase you and just, poof, Pull more things out of you by his spirit that you only get better in age. You get more knowledge in age. And God is giving you a father's heart to be able to take hold with others and say, yeah, there's some more things you need to know. And he's wanting you to start counseling some people. Now, I don't mean talking about their problems, but I mean imparting your wisdom and your experience from the life that you've lived in God. And the best is still yet to come, Bill. Thank you, Father. But you can be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. And then he says in 5, it says, And giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So not only did he give you an inheritance, he wants to show you how to partake of it. Hallelujah. But Pastor Jordan, that's just for the church at Ephesus. and just for, That was the church at Colossians. Really? Really? Are we going to go there? Let's go to the next chapter. It says, For I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Okay. The Colossians had never met Paul at this point. The Laodiceans had never met Paul at this point. I ask you a question. Have you ever met Paul? So he's talking to you. It says, That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance and understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Ready for this next verse? In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He said, anybody who hasn't seen my face, this is what I'm praying and this is what I'm believing for them. You know, the Passion Translation is really wonderful in this verse, though. It says this, for our spiritual wealth is in him, like a hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. 
heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. Waiting to be discovered. I believe God is wanting to tell you some things. He's been wanting to show you some things. And when we slow down, we open his word, we listen to his Holy Spirit, he's going to begin to show you things that you never knew. That's what Jeremiah prayed, right? Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that you have not known, right? Pastor Wendy, that's just, that's just what you've seen in the past of that verse. Hmm, more. He's wanting to still reveal. And I believe, Pastor Robin and Wendy, that God is not done with you. You've been having a season where you've been allowing some space, and I know you've been giving me freedom to grow in things, but God's not done with you. He's got words that he's needing you to release to people. He's wanting to show his plan and his goodness flowing out from your hearts. And so your season has been a time of refreshing, but you think about refreshing, it's going to be overwhelming when you start stepping into this new season he has for you. Hallelujah. God is wanting to show you some things. He's wanting to reveal some things to you. Never take a person's word for it. You only ever take the Bible and the Holy Spirit's word for it. And so I believe this week can just be the beginning for you. This afternoon can be the beginning for you. You think you've known stuff in the past? It'll begin to be like, God, what Bible was I reading? (laughs) And I encourage you, take these prayers that Paul prayed to the Ephesians and the Colossians and pray them over yourself. Let's pray them right now. Father, that you would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of our calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead. Oh, then we jump over into Ephesians chapter 3. Father, I thank you that we are strengthened with all might and power by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ you dwell in our hearts by faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the breadth, the height, the depth, and to know your love, Christ, which passes all understanding, that we are filled with all the fullness of you, God, and unto you who is able and is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think, according to the power that already works on the inside of us. Hallelujah. And then you jump over into Colossians. You know, I've got some great cards for you that you guys can take home. They're at the back. It says, and we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And we ask that God will give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you will live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we also pray that you will be strengthened with all glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. <laughs> There's days that I need a little more patience. That you may be filled with joy, always thanking the Father as he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. So Father, we thank you and we receive those in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got those cards at the back if you want them. They're just great to be able to pray over yourself. But this week, 
Opportunities, 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 opportunities. Hallelujah. Go and walk in them. In Jesus' name. You guys are blessed. Have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee and fellowship.